0: And welcome back to America, Can We Talk? I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I want to thank everyone who emails me, by the way, or sends me messages on Facebook. I Actually, I just feel like there should be a really healthy American political conversation on so many topics. And as I mentioned in the first hour, there is a uh, polling out saying how divided we are. And I do think sometimes that we're divided because of the way the media describes how the other guy thinks. I think there is a need for people to talk about the issues facing America, put aside the labels, party labels, conservative, liberal, and just talk about what do we want this country to be? What do we want it to be like? What, what do we want to feel is, is fair and safe and right? And do we want to have, a, a one great example, a Justice Department that is just off the rails determined to take out the duly elected president of the united states and frankly a lot of it for some people on the left who didn't support i mean i didn't support him in the primary but i certainly voted for him for president and i'm thrilled with the job he's doing thrilled but for people on the left who would say well i you know i didn't like him anyway and i don't like his personality so good you know if if he's being given they're given a hard time fine with me you can't want that because if you agree that we americans will weaponize will permit will tolerate the administration weaponizing the justice department the the fbi to use it to attack political enemies the tables will turn sometime and and no one should want that for our country no one should want that Whether you do or don't like President Trump, we've got to be higher and better and clearer thinking. On that note, though, of of President Trump, I was going to mention they had a... um Christmas party at the White House. Uh, that many, many Christmas parties. I see all my friends on Facebook. Like everyone's going to the White House Christmas party. I didn't get invited, but okay. Anyway, um, but Trump was speaking at a White House Christmas party, and he did a really sweet tribute. It's a little bit long. A quick playlist tribute he paid, he played, uh, gave to um, at the White House. But before I do that, I want to mention there is apparently traditionally among the many, many. Uh, Christmas parties that occur uh, every year in December in Washington at the White House, there is normally a White House Christmas party for the press corps. So this year, President Trump canceled the press corps Christmas party. And there was a whining, moaning, complaining um, piece probably a lot of them but the one I happened to read was at USA today whining about this is really terrible you know we if once you, you know we can put our differences together put put our differences aside once a year and come together and have a nice party I could tell you folks I think Trump made the right call on canceling this party he has spent a lot of time in his presidency calling out the fake news criticizing the media, pointing out how unfair they are. He's saying things, frankly, that Republicans have felt for decades. We watch what is supposed to be the mainstream objective media. It is just left wing in support of everything. Democrat, liberal, progressive, anti-American, which is the American left is anti-American. And finally, someone in authority whose voice can be heard is calling it out. It would almost seem hypocritical if Trump Continually pointed out how biased the media is, and then said, Hey, yeah, but come on by, guys. I love you. I mean, He really is. And the American people really are disgusted with the media. I'm not saying that canceling the Christmas party is going to fix everything, but it's almost, it's like telling someone you every day you hate them, hate them, hate them. And then say, Hey, you want to come over for dinner on Friday? They would say, why would I come to your, you know, you don't even like me. It's absurd that they're acting all offended. Like this was the most shocking thing. I think it was a great call. Um, also, a, a short little piece I want to mention. There was a piece uh, published by 44 former U.S. senators. Uh, I think of the New York Times, or one of the, uh, Washington Post. 44 ex-U.S. senators wrote a piece in the Washington Post. They, they all signed on with their names uh, of the 44-9 are Republican. And um, so obviously it's mostly it's heavily Democrat, but they wrote a piece essentially without saying the words, begging the Senate to remove President Trump if the House votes to impeach him. I mean, they didn't put it that bluntly, but they, they had this language out there about, well, you know, we're the ones that we just, it's so important to rise above politics and forget about party and you got to do what's right. And, and I mean, just, it was the most obnoxious, obnoxious, obnoxious thing. And so, I mean, I don't know why I'm talking about it, except I, I just found it, it's audacious. They're presuming to know what they really, they just, they don't like that President Trump is upsetting the apple cart in Washington. He's draining the swamp and they think this might be a way to get rid of him. It is appalling. And none of the Republicans who signed on are a serious conservatives or just the, you know, the, The mealy mouth pretend Republicans. Anyway, next thing I want to, this is about, by the way, top of the second hour is a short segment. So I do a cruise through the news. I try to hit as many stories as I can. And given how fast I can speak, because I grew up in upstate New York, I can, yeah, I can talk pretty fast. Next one I want to hit was the Democrats in the U.S. House. They don't have a majority yet, but they will. The Democrats introduced a bill requiring the State Department, requiring the United States to call abortion, to include abortion is among a human right. So when the State Department ranks other countries on whether they have human rights violations, they're they're asking them to rank them whether or not they have free access to abortion on demand. And so, I mean, that bill will never get through the Senate, but the House is going to make a big fuss about it. Um, I also want to mention that President Trump had to replace, as you all know, I'm likely, I'm sure, I'm going to guess, the Chief of Staff, uh, President Trump appointed Mike Mulvaney. I've I've heard him speak twice this year. He's pretty darn great. And we're out of time. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Come back in four minutes on Facebook Live. This is America Can We Talk.
1: Patriot Paws Service Dogs is a national nonprofit whose only mission is to train and provide service dogs of the highest quality at no cost to disabled veterans with mobile disabilities. Patriot Paws has unique partnerships with the Texas Department of Criminal Justice and with Texas A&M University to help train their dogs. Not only are the dogs saving veterans' lives, they're changing lives from prison cells to college dorms. It takes 2 years and costs $34,000 to train one Patriot Paws Service Dog for a Disabled Veteran. Would you consider helping a disabled veteran get a service dog? Visit PatriotPaws.org. Patriot Paws has over 80 veterans waiting for a service dog and receives hundreds of calls each month from other veterans asking for help. Visit PatriotPaws.org and find out how you can help. Follow Patriot Paws on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and consider a donation at PatriotPaws.org
2: do you dream of a better world one where poverty and hunger are a thing of the past what if you could make a real difference in the lives of those most in need the solution to poverty is not handouts but hope the freedom and opportunity to use one's talents and resources for good at five talents we empower the poor to start their own small businesses five talents works in some of the most difficult places in the world With $85, you can help a new entrepreneur escape from poverty and build a sustainable business that helps her whole family. Can you think of anywhere else your gift can work that effectively? When you walk with 5 Talents, you bring opportunity to those most in need. Join us in demonstrating the greatness of American generosity. Visit 5talents.org today to learn about the impact you can make. That's 5talents.org, F-I-V-E, talents.org. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security.
0: Welcome back to America Can We Talk. I can hardly really tell you how much fun I think it is, how just excited I am that every week I get to come and talk with you for two hours, which are just uh, two hours that race by too quickly every week. But um, I want to turn, uh, in, and everything I talk about in this show, as I always tell people they ask what your show is about, I always say it's about saving America. It's about preserving America. And so everything related to America are... Um, you know, our tax structure and limited government and free enterprise and secure borders and appropriate immigration policy and preservation of religious freedom and freedom of speech and freedom of assembly and the, uh, you know, rule of law, the separate, everything that makes America. I used to call it the building blocks of America. That's what my show is about. I don't really shoot the breeze about the Cowboys, even though I am in Dallas and I, I believe that my lost today. And I'm sorry if that happened, but anyway, what I want to turn uh, tonight and, and, change the subject entirely so there was a uh there is a professor um and I think uh who at school he's at I don't remember at this time but anyway a professor Mark Lamont Hill and he spoke at the United Nations recently he's he is a professor at uh, I think I'm going to tell you the answer to the question um he's a professor at Temple at Temple University and he's actually he's tenured so, you know, you can't fire him unless you like, kill someone in public. So he's tenured, um, and he's actually um, got some a leadership job at that school. He's the, um, he's the endowed chair at the school's Klein College of Media and Communications at Temple University. He's an African-American guy, very well-spoken, although he has horrible viewpoints. But in any case, he spoke recently at the United Nations, and he pretty much— I will. There was a, was a long speech. I actually listened to the whole speech. Um, and his basic point was he's very sympathetic with the Palestinians. Uh, and so he's had just, in fact, returned. He said he had literally flown into New York from visiting the Palestinians, took a cab or something right over to the United Nations, and gave a speech there. At the United Nations, um, there was a, it was a particular meeting there. He was talking uh, at a group within the United Nations that relates to. Um, the Palestinian um, challenges that they face in the Middle East. But he said something that I'm going to play for you. The brief clip he said and tell you why it's gotten him in such hot water and it should have it. Here you go. Here is Professor um, Mark Lamont Hill of Temple speaking at the United Nations. And uh, he, he paid a bit of a price for what he had to say. Here you go.
3: So as we stand here on the 70th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and the tragic commemoration of the Nekbe. We have an opportunity to not just offer solidarity in words but to commit to political action, (coughs) grassroots action, local action, and international action that will give us what justice requires. And that is a free Palestine from the river to the sea.
0: It was that last part, from the river to the sea, which is a term used frequently by Muslim extremists who want to destroy Israel, who think Israel has no right to exist. Hamas uses that all the time, from the river to the sea. What he was doing, speaking at the UN, and he was speaking at a a UN committee on the inalienable rights rights of the Palestinian people. They actually have a committee called The Inalienable Rights of the Palestinian People. Not the inalienable right of Israel to live in the Middle East, surrounded by enemies, including the Palestinians, who spend all day long attacking them. But this is a UN Committee on the Inalienable Rights of the Palestinian People. But the expression he used, essentially wanted a Palestinian from the river to the sea, is saying it, it means he wants Israel destroyed. Israel should not exist, and as do all of Israel's surrounding neighbors want to end the existence of Israel, want to not just, you know, remove the government of israel and put in place a a different government they want to kill all the jews this is the palestinian mindset this is the islamic mindset of the countries surrounding israel so here's a guy a temple university guy professor with an endowed chair meaning he's you know he's he's a big guy in their view he said this at the un basically said i want the destruction of israel so in addition to holding his endowed chair at the Temple University, um, he also was a CNN commentator. CNN fired him for saying that. They decided, you know, this is pretty out there. We can't go. We, you just can't go saying this. So they, they fired him for it. Temple University has also uh, put out statements. Uh, they're very unhappy, very unhappy with his statements. They had people who were, they found his comments. This is from the Board of Trustees. Their statement says they publicly call the comments lamentable, disgusting. Um, and then um, no one at Temple is happy with his comments, said the board trustee's chairman, Patrick O'Connor. I'm not happy. The board's not happy. The administration's not happy. O'Connor's ranting statement. Um, could something get him fired right away? We're going to look into what remedies we have. Well, you know, I will, I will say this about that. I think, I mean, we've talked on the show many times and we will again about how precious, extraordinary, important Israel is. It is the only it is the only representative democracy in that part of the world. It is the only place that has anything approaching the freedoms and rights that we have in America. They are our most precious ally over there. And they are not just because we happen to be buddies with Israel, but because they understand the same values of human liberty, and human freedom, and the rights of the individual as America has. So this guy got fired by CNN. Temple has concluded that they can't fire him over this statement gets freedom of speech. He's allowed to say what he wants. And you know, I will tell you, I agree with that. I agree that the kind of statement he made, it is, I I would happily call it hate speech. Of course it's hate speech. If that has a definition, that's gotta be it. That's gotta fall. That's hate speech. But I would rather see universities like temple and every other university in America Instead of moving to fire people who say offensive things, like this guy did, to call him out, to embarrass him, to publicly announce on campus, Professor Hill's remarks were extraordinarily inappropriate, offensive, outrageous. But there's something about preserving freedom of speech, which means preserving even the speech you hate. And, and the idea of hate speech is so expanded in the whack job American left thinking that if anyone says, for example, I think marriage is a, is a relationship between one man and one woman, you have lefties screaming that is hate speech. We need to get rid of the concept of hate speech because it is too, it doesn't have a firm definition. It is claimed by the left, owned by the anti-American left. It is owned by them to say, essentially, we're going to call anything that we don't totally agree with, we're going to find a reason to call it hate speech, we're going to find a reason to label the person who said it a hater, we're going to struggle to shut that person down to mock, embarrass, humiliate, and silence him. This is an affront to free speech if you go down that path so i don't care cnn i mean i was kind of actually surprised cnn because they're pretty anti-semitic also but i can believe they fired and they did i think temple made the right call but the other big point i want to make about this there was a really good article and i believe if you go to our website america can you can click down and you can listen to you can find the article as i referred to tonight well there was a, a rabbi wrote a piece and i linked to it on our website again america can we this rabbi wrote about the Astonishing growth in anti-Semitic words and actions and violence in America. You know, you always hear the left, they're, they're always stewed up about claiming there's going to be horrible. Somehow they claim there will be horrible violence against other groups. There, But you never hear the left worried about anti-Semitism. It's because it kind of lives on the American left. But this rabbi named... I uh, can't find his name quickly. That's yeah. Rabbi Neil Cooper uh, wrote a piece describing the tremendous increase in anti-Semitic and, and hate crimes perpetrated in, against Jews over the last couple of years. He talked about Jewish students and faculty are frequently targets on campus. From the extreme left, the officer, Professor Elizabeth Midlarski, a Jewish professor of Holocaust education at Columbia, her office was vandalized, anti-Semitic graffiti that happened on November 28th. Um, there has been anti semitized and I will tell you something else, by the way, folks, this BDS movement, which is really trendy in American campuses, it is, it is anti-Israel, boycott, divest, and sanction. BDS. It is a movement that says that everyone in America should do everything they can to destroy Israel. That's what the BDS movement is. It is unmistakably a a anti-Semitic, unforgivably anti-Semitic, and it's on the rise here in America. I'm Debbie Georges. This is America Can We Talk. We come back. I'm going to hit the Obamacare ruling. I really want to talk to you about that. My lawyer background kicks in on. Be sure you understand Happy as I about the decision, it could be a huge detriment if we don't handle it right in Congress. Come right back after the break. Debbie George asks, America, can we talk? Back in four minutes on Facebook.
4: and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomeFront.org. That's OperationHomeFront.org.
5: Our nation faces a choice: the path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility, whether in
6: The right to freedom of speech, to be who you are and to speak your mind, is a foundational American value enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution, and nowhere is that value more important than on America's college campuses. But too often on our campuses, unpopular political opinions or religious beliefs are met with censorship or even violence instead of honest dialogue and discussion. And Texas colleges are no exception. Schools like the University of Texas at Austin, Sam Houston State University, and the University of North Texas all place burdensome restrictions on free speech. That's why the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, fights back against the censors to defend liberty on America's college campuses. Does your college or alma mater uphold our most cherished American value of freedom of speech? Find out by visiting thefire.org and consider lending FIRE your support
3: The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit armyscholarshipfoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit Foundation.org and get involved today.
7: Can you hear us now? Can you hear us
0: And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I want to talk about this Obamacare decision because... I know. And and I opposed Obamacare when it was being passed. I wrote about it in my first book called Ladies, Can We Talk? Talked about the way that it was uh, done was just in many, many ways an egregious affront to the American system of uh, passing laws of Congress of the American system of governance and so it was, you know, it was kind of past the dark of night. It was uh, Republicans had no input, no ability. They whatever they tried to propose as part of it was just was shut down. And this is a great example. My theme about leftism and the the, the radical left that is the is the center of the Democrat Party today is a very radical leftist mindset that says we will force. What we want on the people, this is why they are so determined. They're going to take Trump out because Trump will not do what the left wants him. They see him as someone who is standing in their way. This anti-American, just a left tyrannical mindset is what we're seeing in many, 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 many many issues playing out and and the conduct of the prosecutors uh, that we were talking about earlier today, earlier tonight. But the other thing I want to hit about Obamacare was it was really interesting. President Obama, you know, um, people talked about wanting to have um, you know Obamacare, or I mean, Hillary tried to do Hillary care when her husband was president and couldn't get it done, but Obama decided that to take this country down the path of socialized medicine, which is what he was doing, he was not trying to help the poor, he was not sympathetic to some family, that he prayed. those families across the stage and had a, a child or some other person who had suffered. Obamacare taking over the health care system of this country is a lockstep left-wing socialist mindset thing to do. It had nothing to do with helping the poor. It had nothing to do even with improving health care. It had to do with taking away the power of the people in this country, taking away the freedom of your health care, taking away the health care freedom of doctors, insurance companies, and individuals and Seizing that power and holding in the hands of government, and I want to tell you there was a piece written back when Obamacare passed, uh, when it was, I guess even being debated, and I think it's up on our website, AmericaCanWeTalk called "America on Lenin's Path to Healthcare," and it was after healthcare had passed, but it was talking about how, and I wrote about this in my book, left wing big government control people, whether you want to call them communists, Marxists, leftists, socialists, progressives, it's all the same thing. The fundamental root goal of all of those left-wing thinkers is the aggregation and growth of power concentrated at the federal level over the lives of the people. It's power over everything in your life they can do. This article I'm referring to is actually written by a uh, a, a doctor um, who was talking about how taking over the healthcare system in America uh, is—it it, was—it was, uh, wasn't like we're the first country that tried it. He he hearkened back all the way. To the late 19th century in Germany and Kaiser Wilhelm recognizing a way to get people to be loyal to him to stick with him um, it was so he passed uh, because his regime was threatened by the social Democrats. he passed beating the leftists at their own game by giving the average German something they make make them dependent on him, which was the healthcare care system, the taking over the healthcare care system. Lenin talked about this, the idea, if the government can control the healthcare system, they can control the people. So the left-wing mindset that is lives in Uh, former President Obama, Hillary Clinton, all the leftist cabal that ran this country for eight years and still want to run this country, when they want control of health care, it is not because they want to help. It's because they want to control. They don't think that you, the people, deserve health care freedom. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the newly elected socialist member of Congress, is about as clueless as a fourth grader in relation to what c- taking over the health care system means in this country. But anyway, so this week, a, a federal district judge in Texas, over, he uh, ruled Obamacare unconstitutional. And the very quick, my legal head has to go to tell you very quickly, is the reason Obamacare originally survived legal scrutiny at the Supreme Court the reason it did was because the Supreme Court manipulated what the law said. Justice Roberts wanted to find a way to keep Obamacare constitutional, so what he did was to call the individual mandate a tax, and the taxing power of the federal government therefore gave them a constitutional basis to... To uphold Obamacare. Because, you know, you, you sit back and think about it, the founders had no intention of creating a socialist, communist, Marxist, progressivist, crazy government controlled country. It was exactly the opposite of what they were trying to create. The founders were trying to create a country rooted in liberty. Obamacare had to find, a, a, as all laws do, all federal laws have to recite in the beginning of the draft of a law on what basis in the Constitution they believe they had the right to control the health care system they the supreme court to uphold this bill obamacare said that this was a, a constitutional under the taxing power of the federal government well once the individual mandate fortunately got booted out of there got removed by the republicans that basis for constitutionality is no longer there and that's why the judge said once the mandate's gone There's no constitutional basis for this law. But I want to give you three really important cautions. Number one, Obamacare was written to fail. The Democrats who wrote it wanted it to fail. They wanted to create confusion, dependency, administrative, just nightmares, which they succeeded in doing to the point that people would throw their hands up and say, okay, it's not working, it's not good enough, it's not working, And the government then, the big, fat, left-wing, tyrannical government could step up and say, okay, okay, we'll fix it all. Single-payer, don't worry, we'll take care of it. The left creation of confusion was, from the start, the purpose. So there are leftists celebrating this decision because this cloward-piven strategy, which you probably, if you don't know about just Google it. I'm on a go into it right now. But the cloward-piven strategy of just create chaos, which causes people to finally say, okay, I surrender. Just take over. Just fix it all, government. They're happy. Leftists are happy about this thing being struck down because they think the next step is to get to single-payer, government-controlled healthcare system. You will never have freedom of healthcare in this country again if they get their way. Point number two, this judge did not, as many left-wing judges have been doing to President Trump's executive orders, President Trump, when he had executive orders relating to refugees, uh, other policies, he has clear, unequivocal, constitutional, and statutory authority to put out. But when those executive orders, like relating refugees, got taken to um, courts— The left-wing judges, the Obama or Clinton-appointed judges, would not only rule that the ban, the refugee rule, whatever it was, the executive order was unconstitutional, but they would say, and... This is therefore unconstitutional, not just in the district where my district court is sitting, not just in my federal circuit court, my circuit or my circuit court is sitting, but for the entire country. The entire thing is banned, which is something Congress can fix and they should fix, although now the Democrats will never fix it. But the point is, this judge on Obamacare, he actually stayed his ruling, meaning he said, I know this is going to go up through the appellate process. So even though he ruled it unconstitutional, he didn't say, and therefore it's out, and no one in the entire country can follow it and we're ignoring it from now on he said where he's staying his decision letting it make its way up to the court and find the supreme court this is what a responsible constitutional judge would do unlike the democrat judges who just immediately rule things something they don't like unconstitutional and apply it across the country to other places over which they have no jurisdiction third point probably the most important of all is this this, the ball is back in Congress's lap. I probably mix analogies there. The ball's back on their court. The Republicans who hold the Senate and the Democrats who will soon hold the House can work together to do something to try to fix Obamacare to try to find, and I do not want them to make what is unconstitutional, constitutional. I don't want them to fix Obamacare. I not mean to say that. I, they can do something about health care, because the main thing that causes people to think we can't lose Obamacare is because they think there's no other way for America to cover people with pre-existing conditions, and that is a flat-out lie. There are many legislative vehicles, many ways we could go to provide protection for people with pre-existing conditions without having the entire health care system overtaken by the federal government and losing the health care freedom of every single American in this country. But this is going to require buttressing up the Republican make sure, uh, people in the Senate make sure even the House they have the backbone to say we are not going to make Obamacare okay because it's not okay. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk? If you're on Facebook Live, come back in four minutes. And the last segment, I want to talk with you about the Boy Scouts. Come right back. and start saving lives today.
8: Have you heard of the Policy Circle? It's a national network of women who come together in neighborhood conversations to discuss the public policies impacting their communities. You can think of it as a book club, but instead of reviewing a book, members discuss public policy issues. Policy Circle members have access to membership-only resources and benefits that complement a thoughtful framework for women to come together and have fact-based discussions. From Healthcare to Poverty, from free enterprise to education, from fiscal responsibility to the First Amendment, we discuss the issues that shape America. Change starts with a conversation. Conversations happen when women across the nation are connected and engaged in their communities, openly sharing their views and taking a leadership role in policy dialogue on what human creativity can accomplish in a free economy. Are you ready to join a growing network of engaged women? To join or start your own policy circle, visit thepolicycircle.org today. That's thepolicycircle.org.
9: The federal government spends $900 billion annually on anti-poverty programs. What has it produced? 75% of black children are born into fatherless homes. 43% of the prison population is black. The black poverty rate has remained at twice the national average. And cities like Oakland... Baltimore, St. Louis, and Detroit are in ruins. Instead of helping, bad policies and billions of dollars have spread a sickness in the black community. It's time for a cure. The Center for Urban Renewal and Education, CURE, led by President Star Parker, is addressing our nation's most critical problems in our nation's most distressed zip codes. Cure's mission is to fight poverty and restore dignity through faith, freedom, and personal responsibility. To find out more, to read about how Cure works, and how you can help, please visit UrbanCure.org and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Together, you and I can cure America.
4: Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short term needs from turning into long term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit operationhomefront.org. That's operationhomefront.org.
0: Okay, don't you just love our music? I know I already said that once tonight, but we just have the best music for this show. I just love it. I'm Debbie Georgiades, this is America Can We Talk and I want to urge you again, if you're just tuning in, a couple of things. One is, I do a podcast every Wednesday at three p.m. Central Time, right here. If you're listening on Facebook Live, or you're watching Facebook Live. Hi, and uh, come back on Wednesdays at three. I pick one topic and do a deep dive. My uh, legal beagle background. I, I sometimes like to get into, you know, what the source of. Uh, What the right questions are to ask about the policies we're facing and and how and how we can solve challenges America faces without just growing government to be controlling and strangling. And, you know, more broadly speaking, the show is all about preserving this precious, extraordinary country, uh, which is a job of every generation of patriots to preserve and you can't preserve it if you aren't part of the american political conversation you have much more power than you think you do you don't just have power on election day you have power every time you decide to speak up to challenge people who say things that are not accurate even though they think they are accurate your job is to be part of this conversation preserving uh the precious liberty of america you know there's a couple of stories i didn't i want to get to the boy scouts in a moment but a couple of the stories i wanted to mention. one is that right after George H.W. Bush's, or around the time of his service, his funeral service, and afterward, there there's a lot of commentary about what a great president he was, and because he was the last, uh, you know, or among the last, I guess, you know, people who were, uh, it was a president who was, you know, there was civil conversation, uh, there was, uh, you know, a mutual respect, he became, after he was president, became close friends uh, with some of the, um Uh, to people in the American left, Obama and the Clintons. And the point being, this argument was being made that there is a a need for the return of civility. And that word is used frequently. The left uses that word a lot when they're in the minority. They will say, we need a return to civility. And after the Republicans won uh, in 2016, so we had the the Republicans of the House, the Senate, and the White House all sorts of conversations, statements out of Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, other prominent Democrats, you know, let's come together and work and we'll talk about the policies and find answers that meet the needs of the American people. And I'm saying that because there is a false notion. And I, I mean, everyone loves civil conversation. I'm advocating civil conversation, discussion of the issues facing America. But in this time, given the conduct Of the American left, the militant determination to destroy the duly elected president of the United States, the militant determination already expressed by Nancy Pelosi, by the Democrats in the House. They're going to spend two years holding hearings, trying to find something that justifies voting to impeach President Trump. They've announced it. They have talked about we're going and the, as I start the show out tonight, the New York State, the newly elected Democrat New York State Attorney General, I think is Letitia James, in her in her pitch to win the primary was promising, I'll investigate every last thing President Trump, these are not her words, I'm paraphrasing, every last thing he's ever done, every business deal, every corporation, every every uh, piece of litigation, every contract, we'll find something. There is a militant determination to destroy President Trump. It is like talking to a terrorist. Not just Letitia James, the entire Washington left-wing cabal, they do not really mean it when they say they want civility. They want power. They want power over the healthcare system. They want more than anything to simply seize control over the entire system. They want control over... American society. They want to have a, a, abandon Americans borders, America's borders, so you can have floods of people coming in that they can instantly turn to citizens and become a permanent, a permanent, firm Democrat voting base to give them a voting a, a, a majority. Of the voting base, this is there is nothing nice, civil, or reasonable about the the goals of the American left. I'm not talking about the average American Democrat. You know, your friend down the street, your mother-in-law, whoever. You know, but the Democrat Party is radically left in this country. They are about conglomerating power, gathering power and keeping it in Washington, taking away liberty. They're happy to shut down what they call hate speech, which it means anyone saying anything they don't like. They're happy to shut down speech. They're happy to take control of the healthcare system. They are happy to take control through environmental regulations and the EPA over American industry. They want power. And when you recognize that about them, the way they handle what they're handling with the Mueller investigation, they have, they have stumbled, they have stalled, even the people inside the Department of Justice, the FBI, stalled, failed to cooperate, holding on to hope that somehow the Democrats would take control of the U.S. House, which they now have, and not cooperating. They have, they have no commitment to the idea of civil discourse and the rule of law. This is why I love that Trump actually canceled the White House, you know, Christmas party for the press. You can't pretend they're being nice. You can't pretend it's a reasonable dialogue. That's not what we're having. So I wanted to comment on this calls for return to civility. That Republicans too easily fall into that trap. I go, okay. And then all that ever happens is legislative surrender. There cannot we can be polite. We can, we can behave well, but this return to civility and the and the mutual exchange of ideas is not really what the Democrats want and not what we'll get if we try to give in to that. Other little thing, which is unrelated to everything, but I meant to tell you, such a cool thing, I thought, uh, was that President Trump has signed an executive order uh, this week promoting opportunity zones in distressed towns. You know, we had a guy uh, in the White House, and I, I'm not sure the person's name. It was someone affiliated with a Black Entertainment Network. I'm not sure who it was, so I'm not going to... I'm not sure. I won't say the name, but point being a very prominent person in the black entertainment network, black entertainment television, came to the White House and made a statement standing with Trump saying that President Trump's policies have done more to lift African-Americans out of poverty than the previous administrations have done. On top of that, he has now this executive order called Opportunity Zones. He's essentially trying to create areas in cities in this country where there is extreme poverty and help those areas not by the Democrat solution, create another government program, expand dependency, weaken the spirit, weaken the self reliant entrepreneurial spirit of the people by making them weak and dependent. Instead, that's what the Democrats try to do. And so, what Trump is trying to do is inspire them to believe. In themselves, that if we just work to bring jobs to your community, you can be part of the great American economy, the great American dream, the the you know the the bustle of freedom in our economy. That is what uh, this kind of thing is um, is all about. And I love that last thing I had meant to mention at the start. I, I mentioned tonight. I've been talking a lot about how the left is so after Trump. There was actually an article, even in AP, had a story out today I saw right before he left home to come here called Scope of Investigations into Trump Has Shaped His Presidency. It's a good summary of and just I mean, they're not really complaining about it. They're going to, I mean, they're. It's an attempt to be neutral in this story, but they're basically saying the left has managed, through the left-wing media, the left-wing conduct of prosecutors, the Mueller bulldog destroy this president, witch hunt investigation, has really caused President Trump to spend way too much of his time instead of bringing his agenda forward. He still accomplished a ton of stuff, but... He has spent time with this, and he, um, this Cal Jilson, who is a Southern Methodist University political scientist and historian, he talked about the relentless attacks on Trump, and he's quoted in this article saying this just relentless ended politically motivated attacks on him. He says, Cal Jilson says, it saps your energy, diverts your attention, and you simply can't lead because your opponents are up in arms against you and it weakens your friends and emboldens your enemies. These attacks on Trump, on Manafort, on everyone Trump's ever known since second grade, these are not, uh, you know, a mistake. They're not a coincidence. They're not random. This is all part of the mindset of the American left that they are entitled to rule They cannot have their agenda interfered with by some outsider who showed up in Washington and said, I'm going to drain the swamp. I'm going to put the power back in the hands of the American people. I'm going to stop the EPA and other federal agencies from sapping the lifeblood out of the American economy. This is what Trump is trying to do. And the attacks on him are largely that. I'm not saying he's a perfect guy. I'm not saying that they're, you know, I mean, maybe even some of the prosecutions are things that were for legitimate, legitimate crimes, but even the people prosecuted under the Mueller team are being prosecuted for things that other people, other administrations, other Business, uh, other people involved in American business have done and we have managed to elevate everything anyone who's ever known Trump has ever done wrong into a basis for prosecution. And eventually, as we've been talking about in the show so much, the Mueller perjury trap, once they have something on you, because they read all your emails and all your text messages and they know that two years ago, this is what's happening um, to um, Jerome Corsi. They had all his emails in front of them, and he didn't have them, and he said he didn't think he'd forward a particular email, and he had, and that was the basis to try to get him on perjury. So I'm telling you, folks, these are dangerous. They're exciting times. They're dangerous times. They are times, though, for patriots to be wide awake, paying attention to what's happening in this country, giving your elected officials, your congressmen and your senators the the message from you. You better stand strong. Do not do not surrender to this left wing assault, not just on Trump, but on the entire notion of the rule of law in this country. Do not surrender. Stand up and fight. Okay, now I only have a minute left. I wanted to hit the Boy Scout story. I'll just tell you in short form. The Boy Scouts of America, you know, my brother was a Boy Scout. I was a Girl Scout. I mean, it's just a fabulous organization. The Boy Scouts of America are on the verge of, of filing for bankruptcy. And it's a very sad thing. But again, as I said in some caption I had to write for this segment, leftism destroys everything. The Boy Scouts rolled along. You know, they have the challenges. They have whatever, you know, different reasons they're ebbing and flowing. But they went along with political correctness. Where they first admit, agreed to drop their requirement that they used to have a provision that said essentially that they didn't let gay students, g- gay young men, join the Boy Scouts because you're going camping because it's a it's a wholesome uh, it, it's a wholesome organization committed to Christian values and so they they abandoned that first they abandoned uh, letting gay members and then they abandoned uh, they used to have a thing saying they couldn't have gay uh, pat, gay um, leaders of the Boy Scouts. Um, they are now facing uh, millions and millions of dollars of lawsuits uh, against them, and they're falling apart. I'm running out of time to tell you, but there's a lot about the left-wing agenda that has destroyed the Boy Scouts, and it's actually very sad. Debbie Georgiades, America Can We Talk, every Sunday at 6, plus go to Facebook Live Wednesday at 3. And thanks for tuning in. Speak up for America.
5: Talk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America.